for that, you know? Like the weird stuff that you do in your room that's probably genius, you don't get credit for that. And that's probably, maybe that's a good thing, you know? Like to just give yourself that credit and love. Welcome to Queer Devotions from Rainbow Faith and Freedom. I'm Bridget Plutfry. Today on the show, queer comic book artist and illustrator, Cyan Rose, who in this year put out this astonishing book called Our Work is Everywhere, an illustrated oral history of queer and trans resistance published by the Arsenal Pulp Press. It's truly one of those books that you just need to have in person, and it's all its beautiful, colorful pages of illustrated portraits and interviews with figures across the country in the United States who are surfacing really brilliant kinds of rethinking of structural and interpersonal trauma. Um, I think in a lot of these episodes, we've talked about religious trauma and the systems that seek to exclude queer and trans people from spiritual or religious practice. And this is one of those episodes that really focuses on what are those ways that queer and trans folks are reclaiming, re-inhabiting ways of being that, as Cyan notes, are you know as informal as sitting down for dinner, to astrology, to being in a mosque, to being in a synagogue. So I I just totally enjoyed speaking with Cyan Rose, an absolute joy, um, and I'm excited for you to listen. Yeah, so thank you so much for joining the podcast today. This is like truly such an honor to have you here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So you made this beautiful thing that we're here to talk about, um, and in the process of putting together a bunch of different resources, we, so I, I work with a resource reviewer, Diana, and we just both were like totally astonished and so excited. Like just were, just felt super grateful that it was considered part of our work to read. Our work is everywhere. Um, that's so cool. Yeah, no, it was, it was really fun. Um, and so I just, I wanted to open with sort of like this really interesting theme that you bring to it. So, you know, in first sort of reading the description of the book or the collection and hearing the title, an an illustrated oral history of queer and trans resistance, I thought of work meaning like very traditional kind of activism. So I was expecting images of marches and rallies and demonstrations and sort of like advocating on this like high level, national level that we often assume to be sort of like, that is what queer work and trans work is. Um, but then reading through the collection, reading through the forward, reading through your open, it was like, I just, in my own way, realized how limited I had sort of thought like work was to be. And we get to see this like really beautiful broad definition of what queer work is. So could you just take us to how this theme came to you and what or who informed this kind of new concept of queer work? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I mean, that's really, really wonderful to to hear that you saw yourself sort of like reflected and had that like introspective moment, because I think that was definitely part of my intention, like to to reframe the idea of work, not only as, you know, like unpaid labor or like quote unquote activism itself, but also like the things that we are already doing and things that are already inside of us and not outside of us. Um, I want to sort of credit the fact that I think, you know, when I, when I devised this project, I was living in um, Seattle at the time. um, And I think that a lot of 
what really influenced my thinking was definitely being like adjacent to a lot of uh, disability mm. justice activism that was happening um, and is happening, has been happening, uh, particularly on the West Coast. I know, I mean, that's that's just a specific context that I was, you know, kind of, yeah, adjacent mm. to. And so, you know, activists like, uh, like Sins Invalid is like this um, incredible like disability justice art organization that does so much education and so much just like beautiful art making and performance. And there's a ton of um, people that sort of work within that collective that that really, really shifted a lot of my thinking and particularly uh, Leah Lakshmi, mm. Piepshna Samarsina, who I was, I mean, I was just so honored to have her write the foreword to this book. And she is sort of like a friend, like person in community. Um, but she, she, I, I went to a couple of talks that she gave um, and uh, back in like 2014 or something um, that, and just hearing her talk about care work, mm. which is the name of her, um, one of her books uh, and about this idea of like, you know, not, not just the, I keep using the word work, mm. but the work of, you know, making, for example, an, an event accessible to a range of different kinds of people or, you know, to, to do that labor of like shifting culture to create a more just world, whatever that can mean. Um, you know, everything from that to even like she talks a lot about thinking of like even, you know, having conversations with people, bringing people food, supporting your loved ones, you know, texting your friends, even like doing the things that people self-reflecting, you know, like all of that stuff that actually make that shifts culture and like creates more space for people to feel like their full autonomous selves is um, all of that stuff really got me thinking about, about what type of, uh, work mm. <laughs> I want to I don't I don't like love the word uplift but sure uplift right. um and you know for me I think that I I just yeah on a more like on a personal level like I I was just having so many conversations at that time like really coming into my queerness and and thinking about like relationships and a, a lot of you know like interpersonal dynamics and community dynamics and and just hearing so many of even my close friends like really talking about how to change harmful, like messed up power dynamics, even within our communities and within interpersonal mm. relationships. And of course on a systemic level too, but like really starting at home. Um, and so I think mm. that I just have so much love for and, and gratefulness towards so many people that, and you know, it's messy. I mean, I say that directly in the introduction, like it's weird, like it's hard, but, um, but I do feel like I, became a much more self-aware person and mm. um, saw, you know, just having conversations about the way that we can um, make, yeah, like shift, you know, violent structures, even within ourselves through, you know, accountability, through reparations, through mutual mm. aid, through, um, you know, these are big words, but like actually figuring out how to make that happen in, um, in a small way, I think has really like, uh, been central to what I'm trying to do. And, you know, I'll say one more thing, which is that this book, I, I sort of see this book as a, like the book itself, the actual like physical thing is like yes. one piece of the 
project. But to me, I feel like the personal shifts and the growth that I have done as a person over the past five years is like also the project for me. So yeah, that's where I'm at. Amazing. Yeah. I loved that note in the book where you're like, how, why did it take me so long? But also like things take time and also artists like working at your own pace. Like that is, you know, that is just what, like, there's no, there's no rush. And also like, it's the point, the process is the point in a lot of ways. And so that note was so like, I just love that moment of like self-love um, because like what you're doing in, in speaking to all these, all, all these amazing people, um, like, I don't know, that kind of stuff doesn't happen overnight. And like, yeah, like what, like there's like, there's a deadline and then it's like, I have to get all the stories for all the community members. Like right now, like that doesn't, it doesn't seem like that works in that process. So like for you, the process was really so evident in how you. Yeah. Out. And I'm, I'm uptight as hell. Like I'm a Virgo. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, like also, yeah, I, I, I definitely like am someone who enjoys structure a lot. And so even having the, the pandemic sort of push back the release date of this thing another six months, which like all things considered in the context of the pandemic is like so marginal, mm. but like, you know, I was, I definitely like had a little bit of a freak out cause it was not, you know, working <laughs> according to my master plan. Right. But actually, some of the pieces that I made in response to the pandemic and through the pandemic were actually some of my favorite pieces in the entire Mm. thing. So Mm -hmm. I definitely am trying to hold that lesson of being like, you know, there is intention. There's always like, I don't know, there's so much opportunity for growth and learning in in your art making process. And um, you kind of have to like be okay with that. or it's really helpful to be able to like transform. I don't know. I just thinking about like emergent strategy, like Adrian Marie Brown's thing, like emerge, like learning while, while the thing is unfolding and actually uh-huh. just like meeting it, yourself and your work exactly where it is at and not trying to enforce or impose like, yeah, some kind of deadline that's actually probably arbitrary. And yeah, yeah like you said, like this, I mean, I also understand that we live under capitalism and like deadlines mm-hmm. and money and like getting paid for things are extremely right. real and really is is where that stress comes from like we don't put mm-hmm. ourselves for no reason it's because we're totally. responding to this demonic evil system that we're under of course mm-hmm. but um so i'm not trying to like you know like do the whole like you have to self love or else like i understand right um but i just think that there there are people who are modeling and i i just i think there's models of ways that we can just be really a lot more self forgiving um mm-hmm. you know under these circumstances. And I think that that can go kind of a long way. It did for me, at least, you know, like there were so many moments doing working on this book when I was so hard on myself and like, you know, just, and, and making everything personal, you know, like every email, every like, you know, feedback or critique, like I was just, but I think it really helped me like actually work through that and be like, okay, like, Let's reframe. I understand like mm. an unreturned email or a missed deadline. Yes, it feels hard in the moment, but like, let's think about the bigger project at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it helped me kind of put my own very individualistic <laughs> neuroses in a yeah. bigger context. So that was helpful. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is so cool. So, okay. So something that really caught my attention as well, because this was, as I was reading um, your book, 
I have also been editing a zine and I know you've done a lot of work in zines and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we are creating a zine. We titled it Pandemic Processes um, because while it's about queerness and spirituality, we really wanted to just like get a sense and have almost like a historical record of all the different projects, like arts and crafts um, that accompanied us along the way of like lockdown of like a lot of internal reflection that sometimes is like very, very challenging. But anyway, so I was kind of working on these two projects and then reading in your book, you mentioned that drawings, these drawings were such a cathartic process. Um, And just to quote from it, for you, drawing has become a sacred site of savoring silence, which is just like a breathtaking quote. Um, And so could you just talk more a little bit about like how the experience of drawing was the sacred site of savoring silence? I mean, sacred site, we're already getting to a kind of spiritual sense of the process. Um, and maybe you could also get it because you mentioned before how this book changed for you under the pandemic. So sort of, could you get it? Maybe how that sacred site of drawing changed or transformed or grew um, during this period? Yeah. Well, I think that in general, I, I believe, and this is going to, I don't know, this sounds very like, I don't know world peace. We're all amazing. But like, I think every single person in this world is a creative being. We are all, every single person has some beautiful freaky art inside them that is waiting to come out (laughs) because of, you know, I think, you know, capitalism and, and white supremacy. I think that art, it has been relegated. This idea of art has been relegated Mm. to, under capitalism has been relegated to like institutions that are often, you know, run by white rich people and like that they have like redefined what art is or is not. And I mean, there's a whole violent history of, you mm-hmm. know, appropriation and theft and all this disgusting stuff in museum history. But I do think that that li- again, like lives within most of us. And, um, you know, so I, I think that like for people to, to reconnect, especially for, for queer people or trans people or for people of color or people who have been like told that they are not an artist, um, Mm. you know, for whatever different reason, I think many of us have been told that, like, I think it's, it can be a really beautiful, uh, you know, space for self love if you create, you know? Mm. And, um, and so for me, I think that like, drawing became, I don't know. I, I think that I, I, through my twenties, I'm 31 now, but through my twenties, I think I really struggled a lot with wanting to be liked by other people. I think we all do in different ways. And I, mm-hmm. I'm an extrovert. So I really like, I definitely see myself as like, uh, you know, I don't know, just like trying to get that validation constantly mm-hmm. for my community mm-hmm. or whatever. And I think that for me, drawing really became something that was just for me. And I, and I, didn't really like I don't show all of the drawings that I make like I'm not huge on like Instagram or anything like that like it's just become this thing that's like I like doing for just myself and it's Mm. not um it's not for I mean I also have the privilege of not I don't make art for money like I uh, have other jobs that I do for to sustain myself but you know, I, I, it's really become this practice that's really just for me. And I think that especially like in this world where people really do have to sort of market themselves and, uh, produce so much and like Mm. really fight 
seen. Like there's something just so like for, yeah, just for me, I think it's been really nice to have an art practice that, that really affirms, um, affirms me um, and really builds my self-confidence, honestly. And from, you know, there is something really also like, so I think to me, like that is what spirituality is like connecting Mm. with yourself when you are completely with yourself. And I, and um, like, again, as an extrovert, I think fostering that introvertedness in myself has also been very, like where it, where it's really just about aloneness and learning to be alone and be in my aloneness has been like drawing has been very central to that for me. Um, Mm. So I really appreciate that. And we don't get a lot of credit for that. You know, like the weird stuff that you do in your room, that's probably genius. You don't get credit for that. And that's probably, maybe that's a good thing, you know, like to just give yourself (laughs) that credit and love. Mm Um, and as far as also like, you know, connecting with queer and trans people, like I just felt so much reverence for every single person that I have, that I have had the, the honor of working with, um, and sitting with their portraits. Like, I don't think people realize just how long, especially the portraits take me like hours and hours and hours. Like I will feel nuts because I have been like sketching and resketching somebody's nose for like hours and it really makes me feel like I'm getting to know them like on a really intimate level and just Mm. to me taking that care and that time um even though again it's not really being you know it's not that process isn't really being seen and no one really knows how I'm feeling that Mm. is sacred to me um to to spend that time with someone and you know especially when we have so much uh for for people to varying degrees in our queer and trans communities when there is such distorted representation of people and like misrepresentation of people to have that type of like intimacy with someone where I get to like show them their portrait and I'm like is this does this feel like you because if it doesn't let's like redo it I all I want is to show you feeling like you um mm. that feels like a very you know and it was cool to even like sorry I feel like I'm going on a tangent but like I, I remember having conversations with people being like, okay, so you gave me this photo, but do you want your hair to look different? Or do you want to have more or less makeup on? Do you want to have like your jewels on or your sparkly shirt? Like I can, you know, just everything we could kind of play with. That's a cool thing about illustration is, and mm. you know, that this type of art form that you can play with, with gender or you can play with the imaginative. Um, and I had a lot of fun with that. Mm. Mm-hmm. And like, it sounds like, obviously for you, it's like, there is the solitary process, but then very much like that is a total collaboration where yeah. you're asking, you know, how do you, how do you want to be seen? How do you want to show yourself? And like, and it sounds, it sounds like to use the word, like there's a reveration or like a reverence for these figures. Like, you know, this is your being, this is like the nose that I've spent like eight hours getting to know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, it's- funny you say that because I feel like thinking about this piece like I really go back and forth I mean it really is a there's this duality of like collaboration but also like through my handwriting so Mm -hmm. I like to be honest about that and that's why I also like you know wrote my introduction that my introductory piece too because I didn't want this I think that there's just so much room like even in the queer community of course like for exploitation of people's stories like you know, as a white person, I mean, I'm a mixed race, like Chinese and white cisgender person um, who comes from class privilege. And so like, obviously there's like 
so much potential for me to like exploit people. And I'm not, and you know, I can't speak to whether other people felt exploited or not. Like I can only speak for my intentions, but you know, I think that, that, that like the collaborative piece around like working um, within my community to, to sort of share people's stories around trauma and pain and also joy and love and magic, but like Mm -hmm. things that are very sensitive to people, like there again, so much room for like, you know, a weird dynamic to emerge. And so that's why I think I wanted to be really clear. And why I've tried to be clear about like my piece of it and that mm. I'm also here as the artist and I'm to not just hide behind other yeah. people's stories, because I think that sometimes not just as artists, but like anyone who does any kind of archiving work, you know, they're seen as like the silent observer, but that's never actually true. Like I, I am also part of the dynamic and how I treat people, whether or not I compensate people, whether or not I respect people, whether or not, I, you know, all of those mm-hmm. things are going to come out in the work. Uh, with, and, and I think it's like important to be honest about that and transparent and sort of communicate that. So that's why, again, like I tried to do, to name my intentions and talk about who I am as a person within mm-hmm. the book as well. Um, mm-hmm. So it doesn't just seem like I'm like, you know, not part of that process because it's, it is, that's part of collaboration, you know, is that transparency. Mm-hmm. And so getting into the sort of like more explicitly religious, sacred, spiritual parts of this book, because um, I, I mean, obviously it's just embedded throughout, but there are some chapters, especially that just very much name this, um, like including kind of like healing roles in community, astrology as being a place that is, you know, separate from in a lot of ways, homophobic or transphobic religious systems. Um, And yeah, I just, I was interested in how this sort of, because it seemed to me that it emerged very naturally and organically as a, as a theme of spirituality alongside queer work. Um, And I'm interested because this, I mean, we can kind of address this section, the second part, but how did you come to see people's understandings of spirituality in relationship to each other? So maybe the first is just like, how did this come about that so many people were talking about different kinds of queer spiritualities? Yeah. Well, you know, I think that to, okay. So for me, again, I think that like this idea of spirituality is very broad. I mean, um, like I, I see, this concept as sort of like a practice of connecting to like self and also like other people in the universe, you know, whatever that means. And I feel like queer people are kind of, or a lot of people I know are, are always sort of searching for that, you know, especially as people who may have like different kinds of religious trauma, like being rejected from their um, family of origin or their, religion that they grew up with or not feeling seen in it or not feeling, you know, loved by their religious community. Um, I think that it sort of does force people to kind of seek, um, seek those, that kind of practice themselves in maybe a non-traditional way. I mean, I think a lot of queer people are (laughs) drawn to astrology for that reason. Um, But like, yeah, I, I think that there, yeah, I mean, that I think Dusty really talked about that in his piece about astrology, where it's sort of like, 
you know, for, for people that, that for like LGBTQ people who are seen in some spaces as like actual sinners are not bought like people in bodies of like sacred beings. You know, I think that really does shift people like everyone. I think again, everyone has like some need to connect with spirituality in some kind of way, even if that's, you know, your, whatever your weird little ritual is that you might not even see as spiritual, a way to feel connected to yourself, you know? Um, and I think that a lot of people, I don't know, a lot of people are exploring that. And I, that's why I think it came up so much is like, what is this idea of sacred? What is this idea of like spiritual? Like, and I think that for some people that could be something literal, like maybe going to a, a church or a synagogue or a mosque. That's so real. Like, you know, one of the pieces in one of the pieces, um, Mirna Hader talks about finding like queer, specifically queer Muslim spaces and how important that was to them. Um, and like having that religious affiliation alongside queerness is like so important to them. And for other people, I think that spirituality can look like eating a meal together, you know, like finding your God or finding your spiritual space or doing tarot or, you know, going into nature. And so I think that I really liked how this theme really came up in such a diversity of ways. And again, I think that's just like reiterating this bigger theme and the whole thing that it's like, we're really, a lot of people are looking for the same, the same things, you know, like to be accepted and to connect and to da, 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 but it does look very differently. And that's important. Um, and I, and, and I think that that's this book, you know, I think it has this do du- again, this duality of like these overarching big themes that are kind of related, but then extreme difference. And that's what's beautiful and important to acknowledge about like th- that queerness is really like in some ways this like maybe some shared visions around wanting to like dismantle gross power structures, but also it is experience and it shows itself in many many different ways to the point where like the difference the the similarities are not even recognizable anymore you know like and and I think that that's important to think about especially because of things like race and class and gender and location and you know yeah like not to go off on a tangent but like (laughs) like a critique that I've heard of this book is that it focuses a lot on um, urban areas like on the coast which is totally reflects my mm. experience and my, you know, communities that I've been a part of that are mostly in the, you know, North American, Northeast and West. So um, there's a mm-hmm. lot of people totally. obviously who are left out in that. And I think there's not a lot of focus on like Southern or rural communities. I mean, whatever, it's not my objective to try to talk about everything, but but those experiences are going to be really different, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and I think that like, that's important to note that you can't really call something a, a queer book because there is no one queer thing. <laughs> like, and, and so I hope that I'm also, you know, people see in the book that, that I'm clear about that. And mm-hmm. this is one piece and I'm excited for a gazillion other pieces to emerge and a gazillion other mm-hmm. pieces have emerged. This is one little blip in like a constellation of queer work. Um, yeah. Mm. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah, that is, I mean, I think we had on the podcast, um, Mandy Rice, who's a queer chaplain, and she did a, a similar project to you in that she, for her master's thesis, went on this queer road trip um, and interviewed like almost 100 people about their 
queerness and spirituality. Yeah, it's like so beautiful. And she made this like zine out of it at the end. Um, So like very similar kind of like practice and approach. Um, But yeah, it's like, I mean, I was, I was noting like, it's, to me, it's just rare to see so many stories all together, but like, it's still only a hundred stories. And for you, it's like, I mean, yeah, Yeah. you can't claim any kind of representativeness. Um, Absolutely not. It's it's like, yeah, and to do so, you're like, okay, so you you might, yeah, yeah, like it's just logistically so challenging. And also, like, why would one person do that also? Well, it Um, is because it sort of like, and I think that that's a function of also like the publishing industry and the ways that, and like media in general, and the ways that like now, like LGBTQ is a like category that is separate like the norm or whatever and so it really it really ends up pigeonholing people actually and like really tokenizing people to be like what like if there's if there can only be x number of queer or and or trans stories like yeah which ones are going to get picked and they're all pitted against each other and and that's gross and really I think it really pigeonholes people's creative process too to be like oh well what's my angle gonna be you know and like it's like you people should have the space to just speak authentically and be heard and seen in that, you know? Well, I was just going to say, thank God the, you know, what I felt to be the conclusion or at least one of the takeaways for me was just like, everything's queer and trans and like not in like an essentialist way, but just like it's everywhere. Our work is everywhere. So like, yeah, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. No, seriously. You know, I just got this stapler for those, <laughs> can you describe it for their audience? <laughs> Literally, I'm the, the other part of my life is I'm in acupuncture school right now. That's a whole other spiral. So it kind of like I am taking a lot of like I'm taking chemistry. I've been taking bio. I'm doing a lot of Western science classes in addition to my um, TCM classes. And anyways, to have my like funny, ironic women in STEM moment, I got this stapler that is a high heeled shoe. <laughs> that is bright red and you can like you basically stick the paper in the heel of it looks like what a tiny version of like an eight inch heel and i'm like this is fucking gay so gay that is the gayest thing i've seen all day yeah i know i'm like i see this and i'm like this is literally getting me (laughs) no but i agree with you that there's so many like beauty there's so much magic in this idea of just like yeah seeing seeing the freaky weird funny complicated nature of this world and how queer that is <laughs> extremely queer yeah thank you so much um before we wrap up is there anything else you'd like to say about this project that you want people to know when they're going to order it online from an independent bookstore <laughs> anything like that <laughs> oh cool. yeah I mean I would I would say like you know l- order it from the publisher if possible. Um, I think it's really great or order it from your local, don't order it from Amazon, even though it's on there, order it from, you know, if, if you're in NYC, go to, go to blue stockings and get it, which is like an amazing, like worker owned, uh, queer and trans sex worker owned, uh, bookstore. It's awesome. Um, yeah, get it from wherever, whatever small little bookstore, and if and if they don't have it, ask them to <laughs> ask them to buy it. And you know, there's actually someone is doing a project where they're getting some queer and trans books, including our workers everywhere, into some uh, mm. college library. Like you can do that. You can just ask them to order it to your library. 
Um, also, I would say, like, please look up all, all the people who are interviewed, there's 22 of them. They all have bios in the back and look up their work because this is like, you're getting a tiny, tiny, tiny little slice of like, you know, the things that they do, but like they are, I mean, doing amazing things and all have their own projects. So I would say it's like more of a jumping off point than, you know, mm. a start than an end when you reach the end of the book. Mm. So. Ooh, that's promising. I mean, it's the constellation of all of the different places yes, to follow and exactly. that's amazing. <laughs> That sounds great. That sounds like great, um, great work, work, get it? Yeah. <laughs> work to go in and do. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people made puns to you about work. Um, well, actually, this, when, when the book came out, like on the release date, <laughs> my roommate, who is like my bestie and my support system, made like a little banner that said, our work is everywhere, is everywhere. And I was like, <laughs> oh, cute, Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yay. Well, thank you so much again. This was amazing. Thanks for joining. It was really lovely to to meet you and chat with you. Thank you so much. Thank you again. Thank you for listening. This was such a fun episode to record. Um, And as Cyan said, continue check out um, all of the, all of the artists and activists who were involved in this piece um, and buy this book. It is such an astounding book or rent from your local library. You can request it. Um, so that is all from now. We are still going to be continuing to release new episodes and talk to you soon.